Welcome to Sense and Sustainability, your podcast channel for sustainable procurement. We hope you like what you hear. Please go to www.iso2400.org for more information and free resources such as articles, case studies, videos, a self-assessment against the standard and much, much more. Welcome to episode two of four of our interviews with Kieran Kelly about fishing, ocean plastics, and all things related to the oceans. Kieran, could you give us an idea of the scale of the problem, the scale of the environmental impact of plastic in our oceans? The volume of plastic that's in the ocean is absolutely staggering. People ask silly questions like, where did all the plastic go? You know, people say, again, like, you know, they look at places like the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch is has a lot of microplastics in it, but very little plastic, overall plastic in it, very little tonnage of plastic in it. Has it a problem? Of course it has. A lot of microplastics, but overall tonnage, very, very little. The sheer volume of plastic, once it leaves the rivers, over 90% of the plastic that ends up in our ocean is running down major rivers all over the world. Once the plastic gets into the ocean, one thing happens. Within a short period of time, Even the plastics that are very buoyant, the vast majority of that sinks within a few weeks. So the tidal currents that's pushing, say, east or west or north or south, it depends, I guess, like, you know, there on the the lay of the land. That plastic in a short period of time, a lot of different animals will grow on that. Little mussels, oysters, and so on and so forth. Once that happens, that plastic sinks to the ocean floor. The parts of the areas there to the north, and I just speak about Jakarta because that's where I'm calling from right now. Parts of the area there in Jakarta, you have you have up to seven meters of plastic on the ocean floor. Seven meters. That's higher than the average person's family home. You have that much plastic on the ocean floor. The problem with the plastic that's on the ocean floor is breaking down. You know, you'd hear all these myths about plastic will last thousands of years. That's not exactly true. The plastic breaks down very, very quickly. What's happening on the ocean floor, the plastic itself, because of the movement of sand, it acts like little, little box cutters, right? And it just slices these, this plastic up. Once that happens, these small little nanoplastics and microplastics, again, it's, they're too small to, I guess, have a host, a barnacle or a mussel or whatever to be attached to it. So that plastic will float again. Once that plastic floats, then the real problem starts. The areas here to the north of me here, there is virtually no marine life in it anymore. I keep posting videos and trying to explain to the world what exactly is happening with this plastic. You have entire communities that depend, they depend so much on, on, these, on, these, on these waters. They've worked these waters for thousands of years. These are indigenous communities. The, the marine life itself has been displaced. The water has turned into a toxic soup, and the fish itself has pulled further offshore. When these guys in these tiny little boats trying to go out to catch this fish, they get caught. They get caught in bad weather or whatever it is. They're losing their life like never before. Massive amounts of lose their life on a regular basis. It's happening here in Indonesia. It happens all over Asia. It's happening in Africa. It's happening everywhere. These guys are having to go further. It's not that they've killed their their fish, that they've wiped their fish out because of overfishing. These guys have tiny little vessels 
these guys again, like you know, they're it wouldn't be possible for them to do that much damage. The fish itself have moved. Once you go 40, 50 miles off the land here, you'll see massive amounts of fish, really healthy fish stocks, but in short, there's nothing. So it's completely after the devastating the communities. The plastic itself that's in the waters, once the particles of plastics start to drift through the water columns, the top couple of meters, the plastic itself, one of the problems that starts a real problem is the plastic itself is starting to kill the plankton in the ocean. A lot of scientists are starting to speak about this only lately, about the effects that's having. Some scientists, some of the top scientists in the world believe right now that up to 1% of the plankton a year is dying because of, because of plastics and microplastics. The nanoplastics and microplastics in the ocean are becoming toxic because all the pollution for years that went into the ocean is that it attaches itself to, to, these, to these particles of plastic. And once that happens, of course, the, the plankton, when it comes to the surface to, to feed, it sees these small little particles as a food source. And when it turns around and eats them, of course, like it's poisoning them. And after that, like, you know, these plankton itself is dying. If the, if the figures are even 10 to 20% accurate, we're in serious trouble. At the end of the day, the lungs of our planet are our ocean. If we lose the plankton, we can do whatever we like with wind, solar, whatever it is. We're not going to move the needle 1% unless we clean our ocean up. The pH level in our ocean, like you know, there is increasing. Every last part of this connected back to plastic and to the problems like you know, the, that the plastics, the microplastics is causing there in our oceans. Wow, that's a pretty depressing story. <laughs> but to fully understand the, you know, the, the size and the scale of the problem. Can you tell me a little bit about where the plastic goes? You, you mentioned, you know, use of plastics in aggregates for building and, and that type of thing. So, you, you know, you're collecting plastic on an extremely large scale from the oceans. What's the destination and, and how does that work in terms of who's using this plastic, who's buying it? What, what's it used for? Multiple different things. We like to the films, the LDPs, and we're sending that's getting recycled in multiple places. Some of it gets recycled like in the in the countries we work in. If the infrastructure, we don't have enough of the infrastructure there, that's going that's going overseas. We work with a couple of really amazing companies. A German company, they're wild plastic. They handle quite a bit of our LDP. Ascon and Sasha Schultz and those guys with, with that company, they they handle a lot of the other say the PETs and stuff. Like so that plastic is coming out of multiple different locations. We get a lot of that out of out of Africa. And we get some of it out of here. The likes of fishing nets, fishing nets are going into multiple tanks. We recycle fishing nets in two or three different, two or three different places around the world. Again, we're trying to increase the recycling of that. Like, you know, if we can, we're looking at a project trying to get more and more of that fishing nets, I guess, recycled in Africa instead of trying to take it out of there. So we're speaking to a few potential partners there and they, that can come in on the recycling side of that to handle some volumes of that. We send plastic away to use some of the plastics that has been um, in the ocean a long period of time that is not fit to be recycled. A lot of that goes into programs with asphalt, and again for road surfacing. Again, back like I said, back to the construction. We don't we don't burn plastic. Uh, we don't take part in the waste for energy. We don't take part in incineration of plastic. Again, is is something that everybody in the organization is totally opposes. Um, so like we try to find a clean solution always for the plastic. If, if it's, if it's, like I said, if it's road surfacing or whatever it is, but we will always, we will recycle a hundred percent of the plastic, but not in the conventional way. 
the easiest way for us to problem plastic, of course, is construction and road surfacing. Yeah, that, that's the sort of lowest common denominator, I guess, for, for, for the system. Yeah. And like, we're never, again, we're never going to fix the problem unless we turn around and roll up our sleeves, we unite and we turn around and we stop the plastic getting into our ocean and we retrieve the plastic that's already in there. The vast majority of brands at the moment are buying plastic and they buy an ocean-bound plastic. The term ocean-bound became, I guess, today is probably the widely used within the industry. Companies are putting ocean-bound plastic on, on, their, on their products and they're labeling their, their products like, you know, there is ocean plastic. But when you break it down, companies that are using the term ocean plastic out of a thousand ton of plastic, a lot of these companies, there won't be one gram of that plastic actually coming from the ocean, but they know it's a great marketing tool. So again, it's back to where do you start regarding the corruption and how corrupt the environmental world is? I really don't know, but I do know it needs to end. Do you think the problem can be solved? You've described this massive global problem and the threat to marine life across the whole of the world from plastics. Is it too late or do you think it, it can be done with the right will? Yeah, yeah, it definitely can. Like, you know, I, I speak to scientists on a daily basis, like, you know, they're about this. And of course, you know, at the same thing, I, you know, when I, when I heard like how bad the problem really is, when I start to understand how bad the problem really is, the same thing, like, you know, I was thinking, you know, we're, we're finished. But plankton itself, like, you know, there it can, it can rejuvenate inside the oceans very, very quickly. But we have to clean up the plastic to do that. We can definitely turn the tide on that. We're deploying this weekend uh, a device that we spent years, a lot of R&D that we got built actually in Denmark, and that's called MPED, Microplastic Elimination Device. It's the very first one in the world that we have, that we have built. Again, we put a lot of work into it. We patented it. And like, you know, there, and again, we're excited like to finally be deploying that on Saturday. We'll be posting up some links on our own LinkedIn page and again, like, you know, they're on social media over the weekends to show how successful that actually is by stopping microplastics. Again, we can do this. There's no doubt about it. We can do it. We can save our planet, but the only way we can do it is clean our oceans. We can put all the windmills we like offshore. Again, offshore wind is not going to save us. Solar is not going to save us. Nothing will do unless we clean our ocean. And that is something that we can do. We can pull millions of tons of plastic on a yearly basis from our ocean. We can stop the plastic getting into our ocean. One thing that we have to do, we have to be more creative globally regarding what we're doing with plastic, have proper waste management programs globally to handle 100% of the plastic that we're actually handling. At the end of the day, I'm an environmentalist. But one thing I'm very, very sure about, plastic was one of the greatest things we ever invented. If you look at it, we cannot survive without plastic. We actually need it. We need it. If you look at the pandemic we went through, we would not have got through it only for plastic. Again, plastic is not the problem. And I say this to people the whole time. If you want to know what is the problem with plastic, look in the mirror. We're the problem. We just need to handle the plastic better. Kieran, thank you very much for describing the scale of the problem that we have in our oceans. 
it's scary. It's quite daunting. Um, it's not a happy story. But I hope our listeners found it interesting. And please do listen to episodes three and four to understand what we believe can be done. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast on sense and sustainability. Please listen out for more episodes. For more information, learning resources, tools, and much more on sustainable procurement, go to www.iso2400.org.